are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. God can change your life today. I would never want to come to church without God saying, God, please, please change my life. I want every service. God, reveal to me. Show me. I want to walk in the steps of the Savior. I believe that God could change your life in the vehicles that you're parked in today. I believe God could change our lives in these tents today. I believe for those of you listening on the radio, God can change your life today. I believe for those that are sitting at home, or perhaps you're watching online somewhere, God wants to change lives. God is in the life-changing business. And here on the grounds of the camp meeting on this Sunday, this Sunday morning in the month of March, March the 7th, 2021, God could change your life today. I'm talking to the drunk who's listening. And I happen to know that drunks do listen. I'm talking to drug addicts, and I happen to know that drug addicts are listening today. I'm talking about the wife beater, the criminal. I'm talking about the rich, sophisticated heathen that's listening today. I'm talking today to the harlot that's listening today. I'm speaking today to the evil woman, to the godless, to the wicked man. I'm talking today to the church member. God wants to change lives today. I'm convinced today that God wants to change the leaders of the church, their hearts today. And I believe that today God can change lives. He's changed me. He's changed you. My Bible says in Saul, yet yet breathing out, look at these two words, threatening and slaughter. His mission in life to get those Christians. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the I'll, I'll breathe out threatenings, I'll bring out breathe out slaughtering. He just stood there as the deacon Stephen was stoned to death, and they laid the clothes at Stephen at his feet. He was pleased with what took place. And I believe that you see a man who was way out of bounds. Look at the Bible says in verse 2. He had litters. He found, he said, if they find any in the way, whether they be men or women, it doesn't care. If we hurt women, it doesn't care. I don't care. If we hurt men, it doesn't, I don't, I don't care about that. And he brought them bound. He arrested them and bound them. He brought them to Jerusalem. But God is going to change this man. And if God can change the apostle Paul, God can change me and God can change you as well. Not that I'm any better, but I read as Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 13, he writes to that preacher that he had won to Christ, Timothy. He said, who before, speaking of himself, was an injurious man, a blasphemer, hailing men and women, put him in prison. He was a man that was totally out of control. He had power hungry. He decided he was going to use his strength, his power to hurt the Jesus of the cause of Jesus Christ. But I want you to tell you, whether it's COVID or whatever, it will never hurt the church. The church lives on. God's church here has lived on in the Silicon Valley where we're still under the heaviest restraints out of any 
county in America. And yet look what God is doing on a regular basis. I've, I found, I found so many times this city is more open to the gospel than all the 45 plus years that we've been here. People are open to these Bibles. Last year, 50,000 Bibles went into the homes of our city and people welcome the Bibles. They let, write letters, they write emails, they sent money in to help you with your project. Many are listening out of this program called KNBBC Radio and they say we live in Santa Clara. We didn't know about the radio. We didn't know about the live stream but here we are we have people in church today and though your house has undoubtedly been knocked on door after door after door yet they're now in church as a result of COVID. COVID's not been a bad thing. It's helped North Valley Baptist Church. It's made them resilient and here's the Apostle Paul. A glorious change. It's going to take me a moment before we get airlifted out of here. Those planes are going faster than I am. But I want to say by way of introduction, God is still in the life-changing business. I read the account of a man, fastest man in baseball around the bases, from the Chicago White Sox, Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was an amazing man. And he could run those bases for the White Sox faster than anyone. Billy died in 1935. But at Billy Sunday in 1987, excuse me, 1887, the year my grandparents were all born, Billy Sunday was sitting with his teammates and as he sat on the curb and they were getting drunk and blaspheming the name of God and thought they were so powerful, Chicago White Sox, people knew who they were, they knew who Billy Sunday was, yet they sat there drinking themselves into a foolish stupor. That night, they heard some singing across the street. It was a Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. Billy stood up. Teammate said in a stupor, Billy, where are you going? He said, I'm going inside to hear what the singing's about. He went inside and he went down the aisle and got saved. His life was changed. Billy Sunday became a mighty preacher of the gospel. He would put erect tents up all over America and then sprinkle sawdust down. They called it the sawdust trail. And over two million people walked the sawdust trail asking Jesus Christ to be their savior. I want to say that God can change any life. You're at home as a drug addict today. You're battling drugs like never before. You're battling adultery and fornication, whatever it may be. God can change lives. I read this account of this story so many times in my life of a man by the name of Mel. Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter was a drunk. He was a barber, but a drunk. Mel Trotter had a little two-year-old child that was dying. They said, Mel, go take this money. Go get some medicine for our baby, his wife said. She was there in the house. That little baby needed that medicine, but instead he stopped off and got drunk with the money. When he came home the next day, there's a little casket in the living room as they used to have babies and children and adults laid to rest and stayed in their homes. And there was that little baby in that casket. He had sobered up enough to know that 
I should have got that medicine to my child. Instead, I took that money and, and got liquor. Mel Trotter sat in that living room weeping. And then all of a sudden, he got that desire, that taste for more liquor. He reached inside that casket. He took the shoes off of his baby, dead body. He took it to the streets in Detroit area and sold those shoes for another drop of liquor. But in 1897, 10 years after Billy Sunday, he too in a gutter at the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission, he heard the singing, went in, got saved, his life was changed. Have you ever been in Grand Rapids? There's the Grand Rapids Rescue Mission. In time, he began that great mission. They had preaching 23 times a week. They had the largest, largest ministry of rescue missions in America at that time. And Mel Trotter's life was changed. God changed the Apostle Paul. God changed Billy Sunday. God changed Mel Trotter. God can change you. And I'm speaking to someone today. It's your last opportunity to let God change your life. We've been playing around with God, doing our own thing, rebellion because of pride. I'll do what I want to do. But God will always have the last laugh. God will always have the last call. You know the story of B.H. Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. B.H. Carroll died in 1931. He was a giant of a man, six foot six. He was an infidel. He had no, no time for, is there a God? No time for church. No time for the Bible. I don't believe any of it. He'd stand and blaspheme in Texas the name of God the name of Jesus. One night, B.F. Carroll, B.H. Carroll, he came under deep conviction. He got saved. He wrote perhaps the most leading book in history called The Trail of Blood. I have so many copies in my office. B.H. Carroll became a mighty preacher of the gospel a president of a Bible college, a pastor of a, a local church. God saved that infidel. I think of a father who was giving a testimony at a meeting and it said, I too, like Mel Trotter, had a child. My little baby died. There's my little baby in the house in a casket. I hated God. I hated church. I hated the Bible. I hated religion. I hated it all. I hated the name of Jesus. My little boy came alongside me. His little sibling was in the casket. My little son said to me, Daddy, Daddy, with tears in his eyes, Daddy. He fell on his knees and said, let's fall on knees and pray. Daddy jerked him up and shook him and said, I hate God. I hate them. I hate Christians. I hate the church. I hate the Bible. That little boy was set back down and he fell down on his knees and began to pray, oh dear God, you are real. Oh, I pray for my daddy right now. And he poured his heart out to God for his dad and in a moment he heard a man sobbing 
and he saw a man fall on his knees and he began to pray with his son. And he said, oh dear God, I'm a sinner, be merciful to me, save my sorry soul. I'm so sorry for blaspheming your name. He stood at a great revival meeting and gave that testimony how what a fool I was to hate God. I don't know what it is in your life you battle, but we all battle things. But perhaps we can be like the Apostle Paul. Perhaps you're saved, but Maxlin, today's the day to get right with God. When do you think you're going to get right with God? We may be out of time. Oh, the biological clock of life is running. Your days might be numbered by age 35 or 45 or 55 or 65 or 85, but all of us have a number of date that God knows when we'll breathe our last breath. When do you plan to get right? Here's a man, I'm getting to my message in a moment, but you need to get saved. I'm thinking about Nicodemus, a ruler once came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. The master made answer in words true and plain, ye must be born again. I ask you on this parking lot today, I ask you at your home, I ask you listen to the radio, are you born again? Was there a day when Jesus Christ saved your soul and you became a child of God? Nicodemus was a religious thief, stealing from people, but oh, he crawled up into a sycamore tree to see this one called Jesus. And Jesus says, come on down. I'm going to your house today. And that day he got saved and his life was changed. He said, I restored back fourfold to those that I've stolen. You see, when God saves us, he changes us. In Mark chapter five, there's a crazy man. We call him in the Bible, the maniac of Gadara. And that maniac, they would chain him to the tombs because he's so wild. But when Jesus passed by, Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. That day, that maniac of Gadara got saved. You know, the city wanted him when he was a crazy man. But when he found Jesus, he was clothed in his right mind. They said, we want to pray you. We want to ask you to leave our town. He said to Jesus, I'm going with you. I'm a new man. Things are different. And he said, oh, oh no, Jesus said, you stay here in Decapolis. He stayed for one year. At the end of the year, he had won nearly the entire city to Christ because a year later, Jesus came and the multitudes and the entire city came to hear Jesus preach because one crazy man made a difference. I wonder today in your life, have you been saved? I wonder how many will come in that last day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done many wondrous works in thy name? But he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. I have pastored for 45 years here with my wife. What a joy it's been. But I'll tell you what, there's constantly people on my list I'm praying for that I don't think they're saved. I've pastored the world's greatest church, the world's greatest people. But I know that I pastor some people that there's no evidence of salvation Oh, they've been here a year. They've been here five. They've been here 10. They've been here 20. They've been here 25. They've been here 30 years and sometimes longer. But there's no evidence. There's excitement. There can be tears, but they've not been born again. When God saves a life, he changes a life. I'm not saying sinless perfection. I'm not saying we'll never sin again. I'm saying when God saves, I think of the many people that I love dearly 
but on my prayer list they'd come to know Christ as Savior. I think of so many people that I know and love dearly. I don't believe you know Christ. And if your heart was to stop beating today, you would die and go to a place called hell. But I'm a member of North Valley Baptist Church. But one day God says, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. I'm getting to my message. Don't worry. It won't take me long because there's a second thought that comes and here's my message. The man who was breathing out threatening to the church and slaughter. The man that was hailing men and women and binding them and putting them in jail. God says, time's up. A light shined from heaven on that Damascus road. But isn't it interesting as we get to our text, verse 6, in these closing moments. Here it is, and he, that is Paul, he, here's a question, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? My message today in these last moments are simply this, what, what do you want me to do? What, what do you have me to do? So we have this conference together, and I promise you, I know God's going to speak to me. Whether it be a Brother Joe Brown, uh, 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 Joe, Joseph Ar Joe Arthur, or whether it be a Brother Larry Brown, or whether it be a Pastor Justin Cooper, or whether it be a Tony Hudson or a Sam Epley, God's going to speak to me. And I want it to be, Lord, what do you want me to do? I pray that in my life at this moment, I'm ready to do whatever God wants. On this March the 7th, 2021, I ask you this question in these tents, in the car, on the online, on the radio. What does God want you to do? And stop thinking about the grandiosa. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to leave church. I'm going to go pastor a church. Why don't you start by going soul winning? Why don't you start by going to men's prayer every week? Why don't you start by tithing every week? Why don't you start by fasting once in a while? Why don't we start by praying? What does God want you to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll tell you one thing is salvation. I'll tell you another thing. It's the thing you fight and I fight. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. The older I become, and I watch relationships with people in life, it always comes back down to pride. So much pride. I don't care who I hurt. I don't care what I, what I do. I, I'm going to do what I want. I want to do what is right, Judges 17, 6, in my eyes. I'm so tired of church. I'm tired of the Baptist. I'm tired of fundamentalism. No, you know not Jesus Christ as your Savior. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I think many, 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 many parents ought to get very serious this week with God and say, Lord, I'm claiming the salvation of my son, my daughter, my sons, my daughters, my family, my marriage, my home. I'm getting very serious with you, God. We're running out of time. I don't know. I don't know if my child will wrap the car around the pole today. I don't know where they'll spend eternity, but there's no real evidence of being born again. How about come to the point as Paul, God brought him down to his knees. Would you let God bring your loved ones to their knees? And when you get to your knees and say, Oh God, I have sinned. I am wrong. 
I need to get right with thee. Oh, an old-fashioned revival comes where we say, Lord, what will you want me to do? And he says, humble yourself. I'll do it. I'm thinking about the fact, seeking forgiveness from someone. Some have a habit in life. You like to just go around and blow explosions into relationships. How about if you go to your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your mother, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, whoever it might be, and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so wrong. I want to ask your forgiveness today. I talked to a man, and he said, my wife and I haven't spoken to one another in six months. I said, you live in the same house. You eat at the same table. How can that be? But he said, we just avoid one another. That's not right with God. Some of you have walked out of your parents' life. You have deliberately hurt your mother. It was during this month that my dad passed away. It was during this month, this past week, that my mother some years ago passed away. I sat by their bedside and watched them die. I cannot tell you I was a perfect son. But I can tell you this, as far as I know, I never caused my parents a sleepless night. As far as I know, I never caused them to weep over my life because of breaking the heart of God. I'm so grateful some things they probably didn't know about in my life. I'm not suggesting I'm perfect. But some of you are not right with your parents. And I'm not talking about just teenagers. I'm talking about the fact you're 40 years old and you're not right with your mother. You're 50 years age and your mother is aging and you're not right with your mother. You're not right with your dad. You're not right with one another. How often I've seen at a funeral, families want to get right with loved ones that are in a casket dead. It's too late. It's too late to get it right with parents. Recall in that old building, and I've told you this before, I can recall a man that was such a good son, adult man to his elderly agent mother and loved her. I watched another brother come and he grabbed his mother in the casket underneath her back and lifted him to himself in a dead, cold, clay body. I said, oh, mother. Screamed out, oh, mother. Mama, I'm so sad. I'm so wrong. I guess he was about 60. I was so wrong to you. Oh, tears are streaming down on her clay body that day. Please, mama, forgive me. I'll never get over that illustration probably 30-some years ago. I want you to know both those brothers are now dead. But you don't have time to get right with some folks if you don't do it today. The apostle Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do? i tell you what God wants you to do. Go home and get that wicked alcohol and drain every bit, every ounce into the sink. Throw the bottle away. You say, well, what program would you suggest that I enroll in this program right here? God can give more victory than any one, two, three step. I'd enroll in confession of sin. I'd enroll in humble before God. 
I would enroll in the program of reading the word of God and praying and attending Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, anything I could do to be right with God. I would walk with God, live for God. I'd get around some ancient men, Titus 2, and ancient women that have known God and known the things of Christ. I'd say, what do you want me to do? Get right with God. We have seen God build this church. One avenue is the bus ministry. The numbers are still on the boards on both sides of the auditorium. The last Sunday, March the 8th, 2020, when we ran the buses, we have brought, we have brought to the house of God 1.5 million boys and girls and men and women this tent was in Sacramento on Friday. They said, we won't get it until Tuesday. We said, we'll bring a truck and we want that tent. We needed that tent. We got there and the man took a lift, a forklift and loaded it in the truck. The manifest said, it's going to North Valley Baptist Church. He goes, I know that church. This is in Sacramento, California, our state capital. I know that church, that's my church. He said, I rode Jason Brockman's bus. Jason Brockman is a pastor in Colorado Springs. He grew up here. Jason was his bus captain. He said, he led me to Christ. And I got saved. And he loaded that tent. He says, I was a bus kid. That happens every week of our life. You get 1.5 million riders coming to church. You pass the track and someone's going to say, I was as a girl at the store the other day said, I'm bus 27. I'm a bus 27 girl. And that was probably about 20 years ago, she said. I want you to know this, that the buses have been still. We took all the insurance of the bus, all of the buses. We just bought a million and a half dollars worth of buses and we took all the insurance off them to try to preserve the finances of the church. Now we've put eight buses back on the road on Saturday. We're eliminating just a few kids, 15 or 20 maximum, on a 66-passenger route. We mask them up and bring them here on Saturday and preach and teach, and they're loving it. Mothers and dads are loving it. Their kids are back in Sunday school. But I tell you what's happened in COVID, like every other church, we have had bus captains and bus drivers and choir members and ushers and Sunday school teachers move all over this country. We need more bus drivers right now because when we insure all 29 routes, we're going to run those routes again. And we're going to run them safe and with the glory of God, the power of God to bring people in this area to Jesus Christ. Lord, what do you have me to do? Get a bus license. Lord, what do you want me to do? I was visiting with a man this past week. He said, I'll never forget. We were trying to buy this property 25 years ago. We had an appointment together this week. And he said, my wife and I decided we were going to give $25,000 25 years ago to this offering. The preacher that stood to preach that night said, whatever you're thinking about doing, I never knew this story till this week. He said, whatever you're thinking of doing, make it four times what you're thinking. Don't divide your home over it. 
the man turned to his wife and said, I'm thinking four times. A hundred thousand. The home we were going to buy, we cannot buy it if we do this. By the way, they gave it and God gave the home. You say, well, that's a rich couple. No, that was a couple that did not own a home. I'm talking about the fact that they obeyed God. God, what do you want me to do? I believe there's someone in America that God wants you to pay off the last 3.8 million on this property. I believe, amen. Do my own amen, it takes longer. I believe there's some people tonight that are today here, when we get the choir back up, and I miss the choir so much, we tried to have it. You can't, it's not possible every six feet away and not a big enough sound system. We get that choir, you've got to be back in that choir. You've got to be back singing to the glory of God. You've got to be in that auditorium and jam packing it out. Oh, listen, you play an instrument, get in the orchestra. I'm talking about, Lord, you've got to go home today and say, what do you want me to do? We have to hit an invitation and say, Lord, show me. I don't know what it is, but what do you want me to do with my life? We're out of time. How tragic. And some get up in the morning and never ask, Lord, what do you want me to do today? How can I glorify you? What can I do for my family? What can I do for my marriage? What can I do for my grandkids? What can I do for the church? What can I do for my neighbors? What can I do for the people I work with? What can I do for you, dear God, today? Show me. Reveal. Help me. Speak to me. Perhaps today we ought to take inventory about our own life. In many cases, the average Christian has a good fire insurance policy, so we'll miss hell. But that's about where it stops. Have you thought about what God wants you to do? Or is it all about your own agenda? Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. I'm not suggesting God's done with me here, so don't read into this. I don't know if God or was the old devil speaking to me. But I got thinking and praying this week that I don't think I know of a pastor older than me that's pastoring a good-sized church in America. That doesn't make me special. It grieves my heart. There used to be a day I could look to a whole bunch of guys much older than me. They're gone. I started to go down a path I probably shouldn't have gone down. I began to weep before God. And say, oh God, how did my life go so fast? I could hardly preach on this parking lot to the college students on Wednesday. They didn't know it. I looked at their young lives. I envy them so much. By the grace of God, they have an entire life ahead of them to serve God. And God's men, you young preacher boys out here, it's the best. It's the best. 
Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, tithing, sacrifice, being a man of God. It's the best. But I'm not back where you are. Life starts here, now you're over here. I remember a great, great, well-known preacher. He's with the Lord. He was 58. He said, I'm nearing 60. I don't know where my life is going. Well, beyond that, there's no more Lester Roloff around. I've outlived Lester Roloff. There's no Curtis Hudson. I've outlived Curtis Hudson. But he, at the age he was when he died. There's no Tom Malone. There's no Lee Robertson. There's no Jack Hudson. There's no Harold Seidler. My dear sweet friend Bobby Robertson. They were here and pastored great churches and they're gone. And I'm not suggesting I'm dying or quitting, I'm leaving or anything of that nature. By any way you look at it, almost all my adult life is at this last moment here. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But you're going to have to jump in today. You're going to have to be the one that says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't place myself as the epitome of the greatest church member, a godly Christian or pastor. But I've tried for all these years, every day of my life, to say, Lord, what do you want of me today? Every day of my life, I say, God, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes, my ears, my hands, my feet. Take my life. I sang it to this morning. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I sing often in my prayer journal. I have it. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy call, told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of Christ and be closer drawn to thee. Life's but a vapor. You better start asking every day, Lord, what do you want me to do? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.